Welcome to the How to Write a Book Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be interviewing Michaela Duffy. Now, what I really loved about this episode was that Michaela's approach to writing was a little bit different from the other authors that have been on the show. It was very gung-ho, like, all right, we're going to do this. I also loved the vibrancy, you know, of Michaela's like personality and spirit, but also the creativeness that Michaela brings into um, the writing process from other artistic venues, such as voice acting and theater. And of course, one of the things you, I will note inside this episode is the artwork, things that can promote your own writing as motivation. So I'm excited for you to dive in. Y'all, let's get to it. Thanks so much for joining us on the How to Write a Book podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. Welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Hello, Michaela Duffy. How are you today? I'm vibing, my friend. How are you? I love it. I love it. No, definitely. I'm great. Like I was telling you, like I woke up not very long ago. Your energy, though, I can feel the energy. I'm better than a cup of coffee. You are amazing. Amazing. Literally, I was like, let's do this. Let's record. Let's go. It's, it's funny. During during the week I, or uh, during the weekend, I work as a bartender during brunch shifts. So I come in at 8, 8 o'clock in the morning being like, good morning. And everyone else in the restaurant is like, Michaela, I swear to God, I will end you. <laughs> They're like, do you work here? Are you sure you work here? Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know you were a bartender. That is so cool. We're going to have to talk some mixology in a bit. That's awesome. All right, Michaela, you are the author of The Mistport Guardians, The Stolen Child, which is a tetralogy. So, you know, amazing. First, I feel like there's going to be so much we can talk about. So before we dive into the awesomeness of what you've done with your series, what you do, because you also are multi-talented, tell us. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? You know, it's funny. I always love that question because as soon as somebody asks it, it's like, I am no, I, I have no things. I have no memories. Uh, but no, uh, my name is Michaela Duffy and I am an author in Brooklyn, New York City, the greatest city in the world. Um, and I have a cadre of feline companions that are surrounding me around the bed. Um, I play Dungeons and Dragons religiously every Sunday. We call it going to church. It's a whole thing. Um, during the work or during the week, I work as a bartender. Um, so I am a I'm a little uh, apothecarian, if you will, in the in the in the current times. And uh, I I oh I'm, I 
I, I keep forgetting, like, these are the things you're supposed to say. I'm an award-winning off-Broadway playwright. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get the little asterisk there. The oh, award-winning off-Broadway playwright. Uh, my works have been performed uh, across the country. Um, I have I have performed them across the country and toured them from New York to Florida and everywhere in between. Um, and, yeah, one of those multi- multi-hyphenates, if you will. I do a little opera singing, I do a little whistling, and I have picked up more hobbies than I have fingers. So, <laughs> I love that. And you're a voice, voice actor, correct, too? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so um, you creative you are creative i love that you know and i think that you've also you've embraced that and man that's that is just the kind of energy i feel like that can be so helpful to people because sometimes we're like oh am i creative maybe i shouldn't be a creative but i want to dive in first i want to dive into that but but let's let's backtrack y'all i'm getting ahead of myself tell us about the misport guardians the Misport Guardians. So the Misport Guardians is a, a multi-point of view epic fantasy. So if you're into things like Will White's Cradle series or Game of Thrones, um, or if you're into critical roles like Vox Machina series, like this is the kind of story for you. Um, it is about this group of idiots, <laughs> and I love them so much. Uh, but they they meet on this dock uh, when they see a child that is in chains falling out of a ship. And they're like, hey, that's not great. We should we should probably do something about that. Um, and then they end up kind of getting involved and like fall into fate with each other. Um, and as they develop their friendship and figure out like the true nature of this kid and this the city that they're in, they kind of. They end up getting involved in this underground rebellion against this incredibly, like, tyrannical, anti-magic, racist, classist empire, uh, and then realize just how dramatic and gray both situ- both sides of the, the impending war really are. Uh, so it's a lot of character development, a lot of self-discovery, it's a lot of... Um, you know, societal issues and social clashes and how that affects people in in the real time. Uh, and it's been such a joy to write. I enjoy writing it. I have so much fun because um, as you, as you may have gathered uh, this, this campaign. Oh, so, so the book is based off of my, my Dungeons and Dragons campaign uh, with my chosen family. And as we were becoming a, a chosen family in the game where, you know, you're, you're working together all the time, so you got to kind of like each other. As we were doing that in the game, we became one in real life. And so when I'm writing this book, I get to hang out with my best friends every day. And when you make art that you are in love with, it's so much it's so much fun to make. Mm, yes, I love that. Now, you you did a little bit of a introduction before we started the show, which is kind of like more how it started. So yes. COVID times, run us through that. that that's yes. the beginning. Yes. Okay. So um, so back when the world was ended uh, and we had to be stuck at home, my, my friend Timothy, who is the dungeon master of our campaign, reached out to me and was like, hey, so uh, you are legally required to stay inside your house this now uh, right now would you like to play a campaign of dungeons and dragons because i feel like this is the only time i will physically get you to sit still long enough to do so and i was like that sounds fantastic let's do that and then um and then so i started this campaign with a bunch of strangers um (laughs) that were they were all in florida and here i am in brooklyn new york um and we 
just started playing uh, playing every we, we we I think we started on Fridays. We started as the Friday game. Um and then as I as things started kind of moving within the world and the world was kind of coming back to life, obviously as a bartender, I need to work on Fridays. Um, and so we ended up switching to Sunday. So now we, now we call it going to church and we've been playing religiously every Sunday for nearly three years. Um, it's pretty great. Not going to lie, but it, it was one of those campaigns where like the really, really cool thing about Dungeons and Dragons is that it is, it is a game of storytelling. It's also a game of improv. It's also a game of, you know what? We'll just see what happens. See where it goes, right? And so there are so many p- parts of the story that are just like, how did we get? Oh no, yeah, I guess we got here this way. Okay, now we got to deal with that. And so, so many of those weird twists and turns happen that we ended up including more people into our fold. Like, uh, Topher was one of the OG, uh, OG players, and his wife Lou was just so entranced with the with the idea of like all the weird stuff that was happening in the game. I was like, this is insane. I must participate. And so she ended up becoming one of the, the OG guardians as well. And so it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really cool. Cause it's, it's a story that is steeped in love and unbreakable bonds of friendship uh, in this world and in all others. Uh, but yeah, so it started off as a, as a COVID game, it started off as a COVID game and then didn't stop until uh, March of 2020. Two, yeah, 2022 oh. was when we was when we ended the campaign. So, the story it's really cool because I, I I mentioned that I I'm hoping that it's gonna be a tetralogy. It's looking like it's gonna be a little, a little bit more than that because I, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed, like to talk, <laughs> which means that the books are pretty thick, and I would probably have to cut them. Um, so it might be a much much longer series. But because we have ended the campaign, uh, I know exactly where the book ends. I know how we get there. I know all of the end results. So it's really cool writing. And now that we've finished the campaign, because I can lay the traps and I can bury the seeds and everything starts to grow in its slow time. And it's really fun. Oh, I love that. That's so okay. It's, it's, it's such a great timing, too, because I had somebody else on the show who was a game master, and he was talking about storytelling. He hasn't written a book, but, like, the same concepts I'm seeing here, which are, like, you know, you have so much fun. You're planning out this world, this plot, and it's it's pretty much running you. Then at the end, you're like, okay, now I can go. This is great, you know? Oh, okay. So, um, I, before, before we even also continue on your, your also mental obstacles and things that happen, there was one thing that stood out to me, which is when we, I was looking over your work and, and your, your books, you had artwork, which is not something that I've encountered. <laughs> Yes, artwork. Um, okay, so I, I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back into the spiel. You, do you, it. You have made the mistake of asking me to spiel, and baby, I'm gonna do it. Um, <laughs> so when we 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 were playing this game, and it was very very dear near dear to my heart, right? Because we we had become a chosen family, and uh, one of my language love languages is gift giving, right? So as we started to approach the first year anniversary of us playing this game, uh, I decided that I was going to commission like the first family portrait of our crew, right? And so I was the person who who got the the original concept art for all of these characters, <laughs> um, and. 
And once I did that, it was it was just the door that opened it wide to a never ending cycle of purchasing art. And so on the other side of this wall, if, if anybody is watching this video, I have probably a dozen different portraits from different artists that I have found on Instagram. I like followed them, liked their art style, messaged them was like, hey, uh, are, are you accepting commissions right now? And then giving giving them the idea of what it is. Like I have images of our characters as tarot cards. I have them in certain scenarios. Like I have like a comic book image where it's like if this was the comic book of the Mistwork Guardians, this is what the pro like the photo would look like. Um, I have so much character art, and it's just something that I I really enjoy. I like the visual visualization of things. Um, like for me, it also helps me write, right? So when you actually have the physical image of of what somebody looks like, it's so much easier to to describe their facial expressions and how their body moves and things like that. Um, but not everybody has art. I just have a lot of art. <laughs> um, and so when you look online and you see the pictures that um, that are on my website and on my Instagram, those are, those were commissioned by uh, or from JT Hoffman, which is a fantastic artist, a little comic artist. Um, and they were like, this is the, the original, Oh, like, initial idea of what these characters look like this should give you the vibe of their bodies of their their emotions of their personality like if you look at the one for nikea emberblade she's got these thick eyebrows this big old smile these crackles of emotions up her lip and these bright golden eyes like you should get the feeling that she is here to tear up the world <laughs> she's like i will get exactly what i'm trying to get at the world will bend to my will and then you have like kepe whose whose image is like from the back so he's like turning and looking very debonair roguish uh with like a little bit of dirt on the side because we got to make sure you know he's a rogue <laughs> and, he, and he's one of those like didn't you kind of folks and so character art is just a really, really great way to explain these characters to people because, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. I could sit there and describe uh, Kaz Darcy over hundreds of pages, but if I show you a picture of him, you already have in your mind, ah, I, I have seen this person. Definitely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because um, I look at your characters, and that's exactly that's exactly the vibe, you know, like Nakia, I was like, oh, that is so cool. Definitely. She looks like she could like tear you up. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I got scared, but also like very much in awe. So, <laughs> you know, and it, it's exactly as you said. I mean, you have these different characters. I can see like, you know, just from the raise of an eyebrow or the way that they're looking at the camera or like the way that I think you have this character, Trisna, right? Yeah, Trisna, yeah. yeah. She looks just like I'm done with you. You know, <laughs> exactly the vibe you should get from Trista is no, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> and you can feel the vibe already, like the world building. You know, the world building is very evident, and just by that, and I think that's very cool because um, I, it, I'm, I'm sure that it brought you more excitement. It brought more to the you know metaphorical table for writing. I think that's such an awesome tool that writers can can use is like get some artwork pay some wonderful artists who can bring your story to life and i've seen other people do that i mean i've heard of people doing it but just well, yeah 
No, no, I was going to say, like, so the thing about, like, you know, especially, you know, we're trying to develop followings on Instagram and TikTok and all those things because the algorithm must help us or we're never going to go anywhere. Um, and what's really, really wild about doing it as an, as an, as an author or writer is our art is in words, right? It's, it's, it's on page. And that's really hard to fit into 10 seconds. You know mm. what I mean? And, but, but artists, like, Actual, you know, digital artists and visual artists, they create images that catch the eye, grab people in like their their platform is look at this pretty thing. Don't you want to know more about it? So it's a fantastic thing for authors to do is just commission a little. It doesn't it doesn't need to be anything great. It could just be sketches just just to have an idea of what these characters look like, because it also makes it so much more real. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, this character, this story is about five idiots that go fighting people like, no, this is. This is the story of these five very different, very diverse people that you have seen. They are people. They are real in, in this, you know, in this image. Um, and it also gives you, I feel like, as the writer, a little bit more uh, confidence that these are real people and that they deserve to have a story told. Yeah, you're right, because I can already feel the connections. You know how, like, you look at a book cover, and you think, um, especially the illustrated ones, in my opinion, you can feel the connections. Maybe that person looks like you. Uh, maybe they look like someone you know, um, and you're already starting to root for them or get the vibe as to what they're about. Totally got that. You got that yes. from the website. Yeah, 100%. Like, so, for example, Nikea. Um, Nikea is a stout person. She is a very thick, like, heavy set woman and for me that's so important to have art of her and to describe her that way in the book because i am a plus size woman myself and i have never seen me as a main character especially not a main character that can fight you know mm -hmm. what i mean normally i normally plus size people are the butt of the joke Mm -hmm. And in the story, Nikea uses her her sturdiness and her solidness to her advantage because she you cannot knock her over. She is the tank uh, of this of this you know story. And so for me personally, that like that's one of those personal things where I'm like, I, you must see that this character is thick yes. <laughs> and strong, and that is a defining characteristic of her. Um, and like also, it's just it, you never see uh, flattering art of like plus size bodies. Like, and, and what's really cool is that is changing. That is changing. There are a lot of artists who are now a lot more, um, uh, a lot more open and uh, how do I say, um, generous about making sure that they include different body types in their in their art styles. Um, but yes, that is very. It's it's what you were saying about you know making sure that you see you have people that look like you and act like you and seem like you um it's that is for me personally very very important as well just because i think writing and art as a whole but writing specifically the whole purpose of it is to tell a story that connects people right the written word the, the spoken word those are things that we have as humans have had for millennia to connect us across languages across borders across everything and the central image the central central point of that connection is to tell each other that we are not alone in the struggle that we call life. Mm -hmm. And when you have characters that are so like weirdly unique and you resonate with that character, you, you take that, you take what their experiences are and you're like, well, if they can get through this, I can get through something else. Like that's, that's the feeling you start getting. Is go, okay. All right. Kaz Darcy can get through today. I can get through today. Let's go. <laughs>
That is so true because I mean, really, that's that is the core of storytelling, of writing, um, you know, of art. It's about connection. You know, you're really trying to convey what's going on inside of you, reflecting out into the world, and then maybe somebody out there will say, "I feel that. I feel you. I connect with you." I think that's that, and that's probably one of the most important parts about writing. You know, it's it's just saying to somebody, some random stranger out there who you never would have met through your art. I'm here for you. I get you, you know? Yeah. And, and very much that you're just not alone because mm-hmm. like, especially into, in today's society, everyone is so we are, we are simultaneously connected through like the interwebs and like we are, we are perpetually connected and perpetually plugged in and yet we are more isolated than we have ever been. Mm-hmm. And, and reading about characters that you sympathize with and that you empathize with, it, it, it gives you a sense of, your struggle is not solely yours. Your your life does have meaning, and you as well. You, you can be the hero of your story without having to do or be anything extraordinary. That's like that's one of the central themes of this of this book is you do not have to be special to make a difference. You do not have to be super to change the world. You mm-hmm. just have to be willing to try. Mm-hmm. You have to care enough to try, and that's all that matters. Mm, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, okay. Amazing. So, so let's, let's dive into your book. Okay. So you go in, you're, it's a campaign. At what point were you like, I'm going to make a book out of, out of this? Like, this is, you know. <laughs> um, much to my DM's dismay. Um, so we, we had been playing it for about, year and a half i think um by march of 2022 god oh my god no wait that's two years oh my god what is time (laughs) time is a weird soup um all right so um oh 2021 oh my god i did my show in 2021 off broadway not 2022 wow okay i'm just having a mild existential crisis while trying to explain this to you um so We've been playing for about a year and a half, and I just finished my off-Broadway show, and uh, I was just kind of, like, farting around, and it was my birthday. My birthday's on St. Patrick's Day, and I really didn't have any plans because everybody was busy, and I was just like, well, I'm going to go do something. And so I just finished writing a play, which is a very different style of writing, right? It's 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 all dialogue-based and, and um, stage action. And I just got a little, a little thought where I was like, can I write action? Can I write a fight scene? I just want to see if I can. And so just for just for giggles, I started writing a fight scene. Uh, like I started the writing the book was, you know, in the introduction of the characters, how they meet, and then the big first fight. And so after I, th- I wrote that first fight scene, I just kind of like kept writing mm-hmm. and didn't stop writing it. Um, and so my the campaign was still about like, we still had another eight, nine months left of it, uh, looking back. And my DM th- then suddenly had the pressure of, oh, my God, she's writing a book. Oh, God, I got to write a really good ending now. What am I going to do? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and so it really hadn't become a book until probably May, June, which is when I got like about three quarters of the way in. And then I was like, oh, I've, I've written a book. This is a book book. Um, and so it took me about five months to write the first and like book, which is 240,000 words. It is a massive honker. I'm probably going to have to cut it in half and make it two books. Um, 
but uh to answer to answer your question the very long winded winding road to your answer is uh I started writing a, an experiment and it became a book mhm awesome <laughs> okay so and i i think that that's that's man it's so organic you know yeah and you're like okay i'm diving into this i'm going to test this out all right now it's growing. It's growing. Let's do this. Okay, so now you're like, I'm on the trajectory. We're going to do this. At what point were you like, wait, wait, maybe maybe I shouldn't do this. I'm feeling hesitation, you know? Does oh, like, mean- like, the, like the imposter syndrome kind of hesitation? Or oh, like, yeah. Oh, girl, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, imposter syndrome is so real. God, because, uh, you know, like there, there, there is this feeling that a lot of artists and creatives have like, uh, you know, writers and, and painters and songwriters and musicians. Like we all have this feeling that, you know, somebody else has already said it. What's the point? Right. Like we've the, all of the stories have already been told. What's the point of writing another one? Mm-hmm. And what, what I what I would say to you in that in that regard and what I say to myself is, yes, all the stories have been told, but not yours and not in your voice and you know to it, it, it what, what is that that quote it's like it is a great and terrible thing to exist on this earth this day and what power that gives us and like just just the act of existing is this amazing thing and to write down whatever story you have about that existence is another amazing thing it is a beautiful thing and it is worth sharing the world needs your art and every time that you feel like what you say doesn't matter just remind yourself that the world needs your art you are working on somebody's favorite piece someone's book someone's favorite book is going to be my book and it's not going to be the world's favorite book, but for that person, that book will matter. That will mean something to them. Because, you know, you, you go back into your life, you you can think of all the random books that nobody else read that you were like, no, this is the book that really, really gave me something. Mm-hmm. And your your book is going to be that for somebody. So you've got to put it down. You've got to write it. You've got to get it into the world because somebody out there needs it. And you, as a creative, to live must give life to your art. Now, like, and that's super easy, or easier said than done. You know, there, there are days where you're just like, my brain is not braining and I want to go live, move to Nepal and live as a goat for the rest of my days. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, like we all get this. Um, and I think, you know, even if you are confident that what you're writing is is worth saying, um, giving yourself grace to to work on it is the most important thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. Like there are days you're just not going to be able to write, mm-hmm. and that sucks. And yeah, you know, those are bad days. You're just not going to enjoy them. And if you sit there and try and force yourself to write, you're just going to hate it and you're not going to enjoy it and then you're going to start to kind of have this animosity towards this creative craft that you just enjoy so much um so like allowing yourself to take breaks allowing yourself to be like okay well you know what i want to be productive but i can't write why don't i edit or why don't i make reels on instagram or why don't i read a book about craft about you know how to write a story like you you can be productive in so many different ways than just sitting down and creating um but when you do create you don't have to create anything perfectly you can can i curse 
is that a thing I'm allowed to do here? Okay, cool. Because, like, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, you can edit shit, but you can't edit nothing. So, like, you just got to write shit. And you're like, it, you know, it's going to be. It's gonna, I cannot tell you how many bad, bad, bad lines I have written. But you've got to get through all the bad lines until you get the gold. Because <laughs> you can edit something different. You can take a thing and you can mold it to what you actually want it to be, right? But if you have nothing, then it's just twice as much work. you gotta, you got you to gotta come up with something. It's okay yeah. to be bad. Be brave enough to suck. Be brave enough to suck at first. I love that. I, I want everyone to take a beat and just absorb what you said, which is your book will be someone's favorite book. Oh, it's so true. I have books on my shelf I've had since I was 12. Nobody knows what they are. Mm-hmm. They're not bestsellers, but they they made like they made me who I was. They helped me through those times, you know. It's, yeah, because that book meant something to you. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. That is that is what mattered. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. These are people who, like, they probably passed me on the street, but if I knew who they were, I would faint. Because I'm like, yeah. oh, you, you touched my heart. It was so great, you know. Yeah, because, like, uh, you know, a lot of and, – and this is why I think we should talk about, like, the difference between, difference between like, traditionally published books and, like, self-published books. Traditionally published books, a lot of, you know, big publishers, they want to they want to bank on trends. They want to bank on things that are going to make money, right? To, to, to Publishing is a money-making business. But, you know, the books that, that hit us are not always those mm-hmm. books. The, the books that hit us are the weird things. Everyone needs weird art. We need weird books about weird things because we all go through weird experiences and we need to know that somebody else has gone through those weird experiences too. Um, and so those books sometimes have so much more heart because it's, it's, it's people who are putting it out there for the love of making art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you're right. When it comes to publishing, publishing up until recently, but now that now they're starting to change, but they were gatekeepers and they were gatekeepers that were focused on business, just like you said. So that means that they're, they had a bias. They had a bias as to what they were going to put on the shelf. And unfortunately, a lot of us took that as that's Bible, you know, oh, well, I need, you know, this type of hero in this type of setting who looks like this mm-hmm. and they look nothing like everyone else in the world or only a fraction of people. Um, and that has skewed a lot of what I think readers wanted to to put out there or what they felt comfortable with but now it's like we have self-publishing we have hybrid publishing we can get more voices more diversity just like you talked about like your main character being like sturdy you know that was something that that main publishers would not lean into but we need that we need people to reflect us you know realistically yeah and and, and like in publishing you you can't ignore the fact that publishing is an institution that has since its inception had the same issues of diversity inclusion and gender inclusion and class inclusion. It has been this, this, uh, unreachable tenant for so many people, people of color, people of any type of walk, uh, you know, uh, queer individuals. Like it, it, like there are so many gatekeeping boundaries, you know, just like you said. And, and so the stories that have come out of that, are generally going to be like Eurocentric. They are going to be like the main characters are hot and white and skinny. And like, you know, those, those, that's, that's what sells because that's all that people have access to. Right. You know, we don't have a whole lot of stories with, you know, like big published books, which are going to be like, okay, let's have the, uh, uh, like a fat black queer, like women lead. Like those are not things that, you know, people are like, 
well, I don't know if that's going to make any money. Well, it's because you've never given it the opportunity to make any money, man. Yes. <laughs> People want that, but we just haven't been given it. So we're just eating the scraps of all of the, the things that are just like t- we're force fed into us to being like, this is good art. Exactly. That's what happened with Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah. they were like, yeah, they were like, well, we don't know. We don't know if this is going to sell. Like, well, because you're never giving it to us. Yeah. We're waiting. And then like Barbie, like the Barbie movie fucking blew up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not because anybody's really into Barbie. It's because people love movies about women mm-hmm. doing things and having character. Like, we like stories about women. Yeah. And, and, and that's what people have to remember out of that. Like, you, you want to get me on a soapbox, baby? Here we are. I will, I will give you the soapbox. I'm going to give you the soapbox. I'm like, please stand here. Go for it. You know? <laughs> there's just, there's so, and, and that's what's really, really cool about self-publishing um, is that people of all walks of life, like it does not cost very much to actually self-publish, right? right. You know, whether you do it on KDP or you go, you do it on, uh, you know, being a or whatever, like the actual publishing is not terribly expensive. It is not prohibitively expensive, right? Right. Because publishing is prohibitive prohibitively expensive. Um, and, and, and there are so many things that change whenever you go through traditional publishing, right? You're going to have people who are editing, trying to get it a little bit more marketable. Well, is that, you know, and, and you have to make the decision as an artist, whether or not that's going to be something you're interested in, you know, working with. Um, or if you want to just be like, no, this is my story the way I want to tell it. And here you go. Um, and it's just, we have so much access to so many more different types of stories and so many more different types of leads. And like one of the things like specifically when, when like Black Panther was coming out, like the comics that I saw of little black boys being able to wear a superhero face like mask and be like, no, I'm Black Panther. Like it's, it's, it's just inclusion. It's just making sure that people see like when Wonder Woman came out and all the little girls were like, no, I can be a superhero too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so great that we are in the time and age. We have the technology to have connection, connectivity through all these different types of stories. And we are not held by the the idea that every story has to have the same structure the same kind of characters the same storyline like it can be whatever you want it to be and please give self-published authors love they hustle so hard to get their their work out into the world and it's it's just amazing and i am so excited to be writing in a time where the world is changing Love that. Absolutely. For everyone out there, um, if your story is diverse or you're not sure, like, will people love or accept where I'm coming from? Do it. Jump into it. Because there's somebody out there who's waiting. Who's waiting for that book. Yes. You are writing someone's next favorite book. And yes. Please, if you have to write that and put it on your door so you see it every day before you leave for work, like, please remember that. Your work matters and you are writing something that somebody is going to, that's going to, it's going to save their life. And I know that sounds so dramatic to say, but like work save, or like art saves lives. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Um, I know we're getting near our time. Um, I don't know if you have a few more minutes. I wanted to ask. You good? Okay, cool, cool. I got nothing to do but talk to you, honey. <laughs> All right. Love it. Um, I, I'm so curious that how was your approach to writing this book? Because you, you went into the campaign, which in my head kind of serves as a, an outline of what you're going to be doing. But yeah, tell me more about like, what was your writing process like? So the way that I write, uh, this story is, um, 
so I, I've broken it into arcs, right? So like, this is the first arc of the story, the second arc, the third arc, the fourth arc. That's why I assumed that it's going to be a tetralogy because I have four major arcs of the story. Um, and as you, you know, if you, if you've ever played a campaign, every game has something different happen, right? Then somebody always takes notes. <laughs> it's great. Someone's a good note taker. Not me, but somebody's <laughs> a good note taker in the group. And so when I decided that I was actually going to sit down and write all of this stuff, um, I got with my brother Topher and uh, my brother Tim, uh, who are the DM and the best note taker, and we created what I call a shot list. So I have line by line the scenes in the order in which they need to happen. Um, and like if I get to, I, I write a chapter and I'm like. Um, you know, actually, I really want to write a Trisna chapter next. Then I can move, move them around and like still make it a cohesive storyline. But it's, uh, it, it helps me visualize where I'm going. So, and I'm also a big checklist kind of person, right? So I, I literally just go down this document and check off every single time I finish a scene. But the scenes help me really navigate how, how the story is flowing as a whole because you know, as, as you're writing, you're going to want to have really happy scenes right next to really sad scenes. And you, you, you have to give the audience a, a journey that they're going on. Right. And so when you build them together, you can see them as one cohesive unit and be like, yes, this is how the storyline is going. Um, but that's that's for me. I'm a checklist kind of person. I am not a pantser. Right. Flying by the seat of your pants. I'm not I, I, I am per chapter. Like I will have a, an idea like I, I, I'm a planner where I have like an idea per chapter, what I'm supposed to be writing, but well, it's just a sentence. It says, Kaz works on magic and this thing happens and I get to make that a 10 page chapter. <laughs> so that's my pantsing is, is, is the actual writing of the chapter, but I plan every scene out in order um, because otherwise I'd get lost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause sometimes I think, uh, the differences between, you know, plotting and pantsing, one can be overwhelming if you don't have the checklist. Definitely, I've seen that. I felt that. So I think that's awesome that you have that checklist. I, I have a question because sometimes, sometimes I get lost in a checklist. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a checklist, but now I get overwhelmed with all of the possibilities. How do you make, how do you make choices? How do you do that? Uh, how do you make choice? Can you ask that in a different way? What do you mean? Ask, how do you make yeah, choices? Yeah, totally. So, so, when I sit down to do an outline, one of the things that can get me is that little nasty self-doubt is like, well, you could make an outline where the ending is like this, or you could do it like this, or there could be an explosion, or there could be a baby giraffe. And then I'm like, there's too many choices. How do I sit down and say, this is going to be my outline? I'm going to choose this outline out of the other outlines. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for, for me, I have I have a, a unique situation in which the story happened as it happened in game, right? So a lot of these choices I didn't make. A lot of these choices were, you know, my friends were making them at the table as well. Um, but for things that we do and do not include, um, for me, it's been, does this serve to move the story forward? Mm-hmm. And does this serve... It, if, if it doesn't move the story forward, does it tell me something about these characters? Does it give me more depth? Does it give me something that someone can latch onto when they read about this character? Um, is this deepening the world that I am in? Are you learning more about this, the surroundings that you're in? So like, if it doesn't de- get the story, if it doesn't enhance your character development, if it doesn't enhance the world building that you've built, if it does not add something to the world that you are making, 
if you want to write about it, write a one-off scene. And, you know, you can keep it. You don't have to put it in the book. You can write it and be like, and they went and had a little baby giraffe, and then they went into the sunset and forevermore. Like, and you could just have fun because writing is fun. Writing is fun. Don't forget that writing is fun. Um, there have been so many scenes that I've written out of context um, just because I was like, I want to know how the scene would go down, and I write it. And, you know, when I get to that point in the book, I may or may not include it because it may or may not fit with how I've actually written the whole story up to that point. Um, so, so don't stifle your creativity because it has to be perfect and it has to fix mm-hmm. and fit and do that. Like, if you have three different ending options, write them. Mm-hmm. Do it. Just to see how it feels. One of them may jump out and you're like, oh, I don't know why. Where was I thinking? This is obviously the end. Like, come on. (laughs) Or, you know, you could be a little devil. And when you publish it, publish it with three different endings. And, you know, who knows which book they're going to get. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's art. Do as you want, man. (laughs) Have fun. That's cool. That's like a choose your own adventure. I love that. I think about that. That's awesome. All right. I, I love that process. I love that. All right. So you're, you, you get your scene checklist. You're writing. You do the writing. Now you're in the editing. How did the editing process go for you? So my editing process was I, I don't like to edit while I'm writing because for me, I feel like that puts the pressure on me to be good mm-hmm. and I don't want to be good. I want to be done. Nice. Um, I, I I just want to be able to get something done. I want to edit shit. I'll write shit. Um, so I write the whole thing from beginning to end, get it on the paper. And, like, if I'm reading through it and I'm like, oh, I need to add a comment there, like, I'll do that. But I'm not, like, doing any hard edit- editing. Uh, then I'll go through and do it, like, two or three um, sweeping, right, like, you know, if I have to rewrite stuff or edit stuff or, you know, put things in different places. I do two or three big swaths of those. I also have beta readers uh, who will will tell me things like, oh, my God, that first book, (laughs) the first book Um, I got. I got eaten alive, read for filth about how I use my, I use people's noses to express uh, emotion a lot. So I said like crinkle your nose. <sighs> and my brother Tope was like, if I read about another crinkle rose, Michaela, I swear to God, I will throw this book across the room. Uh, so I'm not allowed to crinkle noses anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm not allowed to use ellipses in different ways anymore. So like, like those, like the people who you love and you trust, like they, they give you commentary as well. And then I actually, when I, when I, when I did my line edit, I did my, everything and i was like no this book is ready for a real editor who knows what they're doing um i went online and found one and i happened to find one um through this facebook group called it's called women writers editors publishers and agents or something like that it's on facebook um and i posted on there and i was just like hey guys all right so my name is michaela i'm the author of this series this is what the book is about it's a you know multi-point of view fantasy uh it's 240,000 words i'm looking for a copy line editor who's interested and then i got like 30 applications of editor yeah dude i was i was so humbled um it was it was just like oh, i was looking tears half the time it was great um but i got like 30 applications of people who wanted to edit it and then what they'll do is they'll edit like the first a thousand words or like the first chapter or something like that uh just so you can see how they edit and whether or not the way they edit jives with the way that you want your story told and this one uh woman melissa she she sent me her edit and the way that she could it's, it's, it's like developing a relationship with someone right like you want someone who speaks your love language you want someone who can say the things you need to hear in the way you need to hear them mm-hmm. and melissa has this fantastic way uh, she just she writes hugs 
Like I write stories, Melissa writes hugs. It's insane. Oh. I and she always she has this uncanny ability to send emails and updates right when you need someone to tell you that you're doing an okay job. Like she just adds this fantastic ability. I just I am so good. Sloan has blessed me with Melissa Rogers. Um and so she 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 took on the book. We you know we wrote the contract. I said this is what I'm looking for. I want that I want you to do you know X Y and Z. Uh, and she's like, great, audios on my way. And then she took that honker of a book and she redlined the hell out of it. And after she redlined the hell out of it, she sent it back to me. And so now I have a, a book full of edits uh, that I now have to go through and approve and deny and talk to her about and be like, oh, this is actually what I mean. How should I move forward with this? Um, and then after that, I will probably have to do another couple of edits just to be like, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so – yeah, it, it is a very collaborative effort. I think I think so many people forget that um, to create a piece of work requires uh, it, it's very much like raising a child. It is uh, it requires a village, and so for me, it is people like you who are who are so generously giving platforms to people who want to share their stories. Right? It is my editor who is on my team. She is on my party. She is fighting for my story to be good. It is people like my beta readers and my chosen family who are here cheering me on and saying, yes, this story deserves to be told. Like nobody creates art in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You must find your team. You must find people who are rooting for you and rooting for your story. You deserve to have a team rooting for you as an artist um, and, you know, be, be diligent in, in including people into your fold. Uh, but it really does take a village. It really does take a village. I love that. That's great timing because um, that is something that me personally, you know, as a book coach and a publisher, I feel like I should have known this before. It's like it does take a village, but then it kind of clicked a couple of days ago of like a village for almost about the entire process, beta readers, alpha readers, your community, editors, cover designers. I mean, you're right. Writing isn't really supposed to be in a vacuum. I mean, you, you write by yourself, obviously, but everything else can be part of a community and it's yes so important yes we are like that's why everyone is so exhausted all the time now we are trying to do everything on our own that used to be collaborative community efforts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. creating art is one of those things (laughs) yes i love that oh i love that yes i I have i actually have nothing to say in addition to that yes yes definitely so, um, it, you know, and actually that reminds me, I found out the other day that J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were like in the same writing group. I think. Oh, yeah. No, they're, they were best buds. Yeah. Uh, so, so when you're reading, um, Treebeard is based off of C.S. Lewis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah they, they wrote characters off of each other. Uh, sense. just, to, just to poke fun at him. So, cause Treebeard talks with a really deep voice, but doesn't say very much in a very long time. He's picking fun at C.S. Uh, Lewis and how he used to, uh, teach. I didn't know that. I did yeah. not know that. That's amazing. And then it says so much about like, look at these like great minds who like use each other as a support system. Yes. You know? <laughs> Yes, writing groups are fantastic. Just, just because, like, even like Instagram authors and stuff like that, reaching out to Instagram, other Instagram authors, they are so nice. They just want to help and support. And you know what's really, really cool is every single one of them that I have talked to has the same mindset of, 
I'm only one step, like one rung on the ladder higher than you. And I'm pulling you. I want to pull you up. We all, we all need like, what is it? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's the idea. We are all in this together. We all want to support each other because we all want the same thing, which is to make good art that reaches people. 100%. 100%. All right, Michaela, I would love to share, you know, about your book, about you. Where can people find you? Where can they find the Mist Port Guardians? Tell us everything. The Mist Port Guardians. Uh, So you can find me at any social media platform at Michaela Duffy Wright, M-I-K-A-E-L-A-D-U-F-F-Y. W-R-I-T-E-S, which is an unnecessary long handle. I am so sorry for you all. Uh, but, yeah, on Instagram, on TikTok, on uh, Facebook, all the things, I, I am uh, at Michaela Duffy Writes. Uh, my website is www.michaeladuffy.com. Nope. Yes, that's it. Wow. Whew. I'm also a little tired. Um, and on that website, you can find, like, there's a whole section about the Mistport Guardians you can go through and you can read all their character profiles. Uh, you can read a little bit about the world that they're in. Um, I make reels all the time about silly little, silly little things. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been such a, an honor ha- talking with you and chatting with you. If, if, if you do come and visit me on Instagram, follow me, like me, all the things, please send me a message, say that, you know, yeah, I met you off this podcast because I'd love to say hi. I love making new friends. I love making connections. Art is just connections in motion. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. This has been this has been a great time. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. Good, a hundred percent. I that is my goal. When the authors on the show have a good time, I know everyone else is going to have a good time listening to this. That's amazing. So do check out MichaelaDuffy.com. Also, Michaela Duffy writes because the artwork itself, just that alone is going to be a treat. And so do, do go in there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michaela, from the How to Write a Book podcast. This has been lovely. We're wishing you the best. Please come back on the show. We would love to have you again. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate this. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Masiel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.